the Zone Sports Network. It's the weekend! Let's go! It may be the weekend, but there are no days off for the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to the Saturday Show. Can't wait, can't, can't, can't wait. It's all weekend, baby. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Cameos is really just about taking care of the ball and executing our offense to the best of my ability is getting the ball into our, our playmakers' hands, and I feel like I did a good job of doing that. But again, you know, it's, it's easy when you got guy, the guys that we do around us. Here's that option they've run very well. Hall is in! Tremendous play, and they got the linebacker pushed right out of there and a huge hole for Hall. Second down, Brewer throwing for the corner of the end zone. to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Hope y'all are doing great out there wherever you might be. And Wendy, we're back for another show. Here we are. We doing are. Doing what we love. Um, as I called it on Twitter, this is we're going to consider this the pre-pregame show. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we've got BYU, the Cougar pregame show tonight, 7 o'clock, live from JCW's. Myself, along with Hans Olsen, will be on air previewing that game. And then once we're done, we'll flip it over to Scotty G, and he'll have the Utah State play-by-play all night long up there in Washington State. Yeah, it's we are in the thick of the college football season now. Last week was week zero, so we had you know we had some nice teasers, some nice you know a little bit to, to kind of wet the appetite. But we are we're in the full blown buffet now. Yeah, it was a ton of fun to do that last week, but we have games up and down the docket today. We're going to talk about a lot of those. Obviously, we're going to talk about local games. We'll talk about uh, a little bit what's going on with BYU in the Big Twelve. So we got that all for you guys ahead on today's show. So first off, hope you all are doing great out there, wherever you might be listening in from. Weather here on the Wasatch Front, pretty dang good today. Yeah. Not as smoky as some days. Thankfully. (laughs) Hopefully we continue on that trend, you know, get a... At least a few weeks of clear air before the inversion sets in and uh, everything gets cold. So yeah. let's let's you know, fingers crossed. That would be ideal. There's yeah. no doubt about that. But how are you, sir? You know, I am, for the most part, really good. Good. That's what we like to hear. I just my uh, high school game last night was a ton of fun. I've been calling him uh, doing game night live rewind. We had uh, Riverton in Springville, one of the better games I've seen this year. It was actually really really fun and weather was great last night. And I'm like, okay. We're finally getting to where it's like, okay, this is bearable. It's not 100 degrees all the time, and life's good. Yeah. Well, and, you know, from what you were telling me off air, it sounded like you had a, a big guy first down in that game. Yeah. So, a uh, quarterback, if I recall correctly, fumbled a ball, and it just fell to the feet of this offensive lineman. Their, their tackle, funny enough, he just picks it up, scoops it up, and rumbles for five yards to pick up a first down. I love that. I, I love when the big guys get to handle the ball for a little bit. They get a little taste of the glory. Yeah, no, the, he and he was having a good time. He actually had a really big sack earlier in the game too. So 
He had a good game. Uh, it was really fun back and forth affair. Uh, Springville remains undefeated uh, with their win. So we'll we'll talk a little high school later on if you want. We can fix that. We'll probably work that into five minutes of. We can get some thoughts on that. There's been some interesting results. Let's just put it that way out there. Corner Canyon continues to just slaughter everybody, all of comers. Course. But like Sky Ridge last night, they took on Orem, who is one of the best teams in the state. They're a 5A powerhouse and shut them out. Whoa. So, yeah, we, we can dig into that later. But we're talking college football to start off yes. today's show. Uh, Lundy, let's start off and let's look a little bit back at what happened against uh, against Weber State for Utah. A 40-17 to victory. I felt like that game went about as I expected. What was your takeaway from it? So there are a couple things that, that I've been thinking about, you know, since that game and, and watching it, you know. I mean, obviously from an X's and O's standpoint, uh, you know, there's there's things to improve. Mm-hmm. And Kyle Whittingham said as much. You know, he had his laundry list that he'd written down that he stopped writing because there was too much. Crumpled it up too, if I recall yeah. correctly. Yeah. Um, but before we kind of get into that stuff, I wanted to to focus on you know because as a game itself, there's there's good things, there's bad things. But the, looking at the game as a tribute to Ty Jordan, which is what the university really tried to focus on with that home opener. I just I don't think that it could have gone any better than it was. Okay. Um, you know, I really want to to kind of call a lot of these things out that I noticed, and I'm I'm really gonna try to not get emotional as I do this. But there was just so much that, you know, like typically I'm the kind of person that, that falls in line with like the Ted Lasso approach when it comes to coincidences where he you know, he says it's the thing with coincidences, sometimes they just happen. But there was so much around what happened Thursday night with respect to honoring Ty Jordan, where it, it feels like more than coincidence to me. Where, you know, from the first touchdown of this season being scored by a number 22 dressed in all white in the yeah. same end zone where Ty Jordan scored his last, to revealing the portal, Portal 22, in honor of Ty Jordan, uh, even with the lightning delay, you know, when they came back out, two rainbows over the stadium there was a lot that you know was, there was so much yeah. and then the moment of loudness which just gave me chills it just perfect you know whoever's whoever thought of that that's brilliant to say he he had enough moments of silence when he was here let's give him a moment of loudness to where you know lift your voices to the heavens that was to really, let him know that was really really cool and then the very next play is a 22 yard gain it was just from top to bottom, the things scripted and the things unscripted. It was all about Ty Jordan, and I loved that. So from that aspect, that game was perfect. Even the things that went wrong were perfect for Ty Jordan. Um, moving on to kind of the X's and O's, obviously some things that need to be cleaned up. You know, special teams-wise, things looked a little bit rocky. Um too many dropped passes. Sure. Um, Two touchdowns early that should have been yeah. touchdowns. I, that's that's probably the biggest, most obvious thing that needs to be addressed. But kind of hand in hand with that, how about Charlie Brewer? Because those dropped passes were placed perfectly, just right on the money. And, you know, the drops, they, they happen. I mean, you know. That was the story of my high school football career was dropped passes that were per- placed perfectly in my hands. Um, but Charlie Brewer looked great. Uh, so I think Utah fans have reason to be excited about the throw game. Uh, the O-line, 
There, there's some work that needs to be done there. Obviously, they were holding out some starters for was, some precautionary things. I was going to say, they, they, Jaron Kump dressed and didn't even play. Yeah. So. Um, which it sounds like he might be back for next week, which is actually earlier than what I had previously heard. Uh, so that's great news if he is ready and available to play. I think that probably the reason that they held a lot of these guys out, A, to avoid things, you know, kind of precautionary, let's not get them banged up before they need to be, but also kind of, you know, give some of that depth some experience. And so I think it was, you know, I don't necessarily think it was super concerning to see a lot of those mistakes made because this is a moment to identify areas that they can address, identify things that they can coach up, and they can really shore up that depth so that as the season progresses, if guys do go down, then that drop-off is smaller. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. That that This was a good first game because there was yes. a lot to correct. Obviously, you win the game. And credit to Weaver State, by the way. Rashid Shahid, that Great. kick return was absolutely phenomenal. Beautiful. And he shows he's an absolute weapon. And Weaver had their moments. That 17-play drive, I, I know it ended up with a goal line stand, and Utah stones them on the goal line there. But there's some concern there. You allowed an FCS program to go 17 plays methodically down the field. And, yes, you ended up no points on it. Right. But you can guarantee that Kyle Whittingham and the entire coaching staff is like just took this up. It's like, all right, we're point out that, point out this. It's the perfect scenario for them because they didn't do everything perfectly. And there's actually a lot of stuff to correct. And, obviously, it's easier to correct after a win than it is after a loss. Right. And, you know, like you said, I think it was a perfect scenario for Kyle Whittingham and the coaching staff because we have seen in in a few years past, and players have even talked about it, that you know I they they start winning a lot. Um, I think it was even that 2015 season they started to believe the hype. They said, and then it caught up with them and they lose. They start buying in to how good they actually are, and this mm-hmm. is a good way for the coaching staff to say hey, we got a win and we won convincingly, but there's a lot to work on. We're not there yet. And it keeps the team focused and it keeps them hungry and it keeps them working. So, you know, from a coaching perspective, I think that they're probably actually a little bit, you know, I mean, maybe there was probably more mistakes than what they wanted, but I think that they're happy that they're, you know, there was stuff to keep them focused on to keep them working and grinding instead of, you know, if they came out and played perfectly, then you, you have to kind of change your approach to be like, okay, well, we, now we, we can't let this get away from us. Yeah. Because it's very easy to do when you are that good. I wanted to go back to Charlie Brewer for just a minute because I actually had another person tell me, like, how good did he look? And I'm like, I'm not sure that I expected him to look any different than he did. This is a guy who's played an extremely high level at Baylor for multiple years. Mm-hmm. I get that 2020 for Baylor was not good. Right. But we forget this guy had Baylor in a sugar bowl. Right. And that 2020 season, you know, they were – it was a new head coach. It was a new system. And, you know, it it likely came down to a lot of that plus a lot of concussions and just the weirdness of 2020, mm-hmm. right? I mean, anybody that was concerned about Charlie Brewer – I loved what what uh, Matt Rule said earlier in the week when asked about it, where he yeah. said, you know, somebody asked him about Charlie Brewer, and he said, he's the reason that I have this job as a head coach in the NA- NFL. He made me look really good. He did. And There's no doubt about that. He's passed for 9,700 yards. He's going to go over 10,000 career passing yards before all is said and done yeah. this year. So it was, you know, it was a breath of fresh air, I think, for Utah fans, even though, really, it was only a, a rough 2020 season you know, from the last time that they had outstanding quarterback play because 
you know, Tyler Huntley's 2019 was an incredible season from quarterback play again. Yeah. Um, but I do think that, you know, so it, it's easy to forget that because before that, you know, Utah had gone a long time with passable quarterback play, right? It wasn't great, but it was good enough most of the time. Then 2019 happened where it was like, okay, it's great quarterback play. This is awesome. They had a great season. But then he graduated, and 2020 regressed to just not good enough most of the time. And so now they're back on that level where they have a quarterback that's capable. He's hitting guys in stride. He's very accurate with his passes. That stood out to me on Thursday was the passes that were dropped, the passes that were completed. You know, even some of those tough catches, they were placed right where they needed to be so that the defender couldn't get a shot at it. Yeah. It was the receiver either catches it or it's incomplete. Those are the only two outcomes. And he, he he put you, as you mentioned, those passes, they were on point. He showed off a very live arm, very good placement, very good accuracy. There was nothing in that game that I felt like coming away from saying, well, there's a reason why he, like, I didn't walk away from it saying, wondering, why didn't Cam Rising win the job? It was very clear that Charlie Brewer went out and earned that starting job. Yeah. Though Cam Rising did get some he play did. time. He did. And, you know, man. Looked he, good, too. He looked good. He was you know he he put a lot of a lot of juice behind those passes and uh you know threw himself a touchdown showed that he is fully recovered from that injury and yep. Utah has a really really good backup okay two quick thoughts on two guys i want to ask you about cuz first one Tavion Thomas is he RB1 you know from what we saw on Thursday night i would say yes that's kind of where I'm sitting too. I really like Mackay Bernard. I sh- yeah. He showed a lot of different skill sets, especially catching the ball out of the backfield. Man, out of the backfield, he was great. Um, Tavion Thomas, he's he's the prototypical Kyle Whittingham running back, he, where he runs with violence. He might be like the fever dream of Kyle Whittingham yeah. running backs. He, he's, he, he's a lot bigger than the typical running back at the U. Oh, yeah. But he runs with the violence that Kyle Whittingham expects. Uh, he did have that fumble, mm-hmm. and that was you know, kind of a red flag that I think is probably a little bit from all some security of this. above all else for Kyle Whittingham. We all yeah. know that. And I think that, you know, there are a few of those things that they're, they're kind of some Juco habits that he picked up that he needs to, to get corrected. But we did see him, you know, have a lot more ball security after he put it on the turf that one time he, you know, really clutched onto it and he's a hard guy to tackle. He's a big physical bruiser that, you know, I mean, 12 carries 107 yards, average of 8.9 yards per carry two touchdowns yeah you know I don't I don't know what else you could ask for in that kind of system especially when they were you know I mean they threw it a lot that game you know well a lot relative to what Utah typically well, does. and what we expected honestly going in yeah um, I mean you know 29 total attempts for passing which is very high for people that have watched Utah in the past, we're not typically used to seeing 29 passes. You know, and I mean, you look at the rushing, there were there were 31 carries yeah. to 29. Like, it was a perfectly balanced, balanced offense. Yeah. yeah, no, and that's that that's the really cool thing about it is I expected a really run-heavy offense. I expected yes. a really vanilla game plan, but I'm actually kind of glad that came out and showed off what Charlie Brewer could do in the passing game. It was fun to see it. Solo Enos, I thought, looked really good. Yes. Uh, Mackay Bernard out of the backfield. The other guy I wanted to ask you about, Devin Lloyd. Is he the best linebacker in the country, it looks like? Man, it certainly looks that way. It certainly looks that way because he had himself just an unbelievable game. That interception, I still 
am not quite sure how he got that. Well, I just was watching that ball ping off different people, and yeah. the fact that he's able to track it the whole way was pretty impressive. Yeah, and still be able to dive and get his yeah. hands under it and secure that. Uh, I mean, he just... Yes, absolutely. Like, he is just great. That's all I can say about it. He was great absolutely would you expect against an fcs opponent but it still stood out as remarkable yep all right moving on here and what's the big deal let's talk about both byu and utah state i'm actually kind of upset that both of these games are going to overlap with one another i was hoping that one would be played we kind of offset it but that's not what we're getting we're getting uh, byu kicking off against arizona in las vegas at 8 30 and then utah state and washington state squaring off at 9 p.m let's start off with the cougars here for a minute alex I'm very interested in this game. I was on a show in Tucson yesterday talking with some guys down there, Wildcats 1290. He's actually the broadcast home, if I'm not mistaken, of the Arizona Wildcats football broadcast. And we were talking about what to expect from BYU. And the, the question was asked to me is, okay, can Jaron Hall really step in and fill in what Zach Wilson is leaving behind at BYU? And I said, well, there's some pretty big shoes to fill there, but Jaron Hall is a very, very confident young man, and I think he truly believes that he is more than capable of doing that. Yeah, you know, and that's, I mean, that belief in yourself, it, you know, that, that goes a long way. That's the kind sure. of thing that you need if you're, if you're going to do it. If you have any kind of doubt, it's, impo- it's impossible. He's never going to do it if there's even a fraction of doubt. Um, but from what it sounds like we've heard out of fall camp, you know, what the coaches have said about him, mm-hmm. what he's he's said about himself. He definitely has that belief. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing BYU and just seeing what they show in tonight's game. I expect, funny, similar to what I expected from Utah, I'm expecting a very run-heavy offense. I'm mm-hmm. expecting them, Tyler Algier, Lupini Katoa, even Jaron Hall with his feet, I expect them to really get after Arizona and really force the Wildcats to force them to stop the run. Yeah, well, you know, and, I think a lot of that comes from, you know, Kalani being a disciple of Kyle Whittingham, mm-hmm. who very much it's, you know, you establish the run and you stop the run and everything else is built upon that foundation. And so I think they're going to come out, especially with a new quarterback. Yeah. You know, you're going to come out, you're going to pound the rock. You know, you're going to get your three yards in a cloud of dust. And once you've got that kind of solidified, you're going, you've got that rhythm going. Then you start to open it up a little bit. Then you start taking some shots. Sure. Now, flipping over to Arizona for a moment here, they're going to go with a two-quarterback system. At least that's what we're hearing. It's going to be Will Plummer as well as Gunnar Cruz expected to split time here. Uh, Jed Fish, the head coach of the Wildcats, has said that he will ride the hot hand if if he necessitates as such. Here's my thought on this. I feel like, and I actually talked with Mike Luke. We actually probably played that interview at some point today with uh, Mike Luke from Locked On Wildcats and Wildcats 1290 down there. He essentially said that he doesn't believe the quarterback of the future for Arizona is on the roster currently. He thinks they're just getting by with what they've got currently as they try and get out into the recruiting world and try and find their future guy at QB1. If that's the case, I'm of the opinion that BYU should just focus on trying to frustrate these two quarterbacks, make their lives miserable, because there's plenty of talent for Arizona. Stanley Berryhill, I really like him as as a wide receiver. My question is, can these quarterbacks effectively get the ball to these playmakers for Arizona? I'm not sure they can. Yeah, it's, it's, it really does come down to that position, and it, it's, it's a massive red flag. Anytime a coach says, we're going to play two quarterbacks, you know, and there have been occasions where it has worked for certain teams, mm-hmm. but that's the exception, not the rule, yeah. at least from what I've seen. And so it, it always gives me reason 
to to kind of pump the brakes a little bit. But like you said, they are uh, you know they have a lot of talent on that team, and so my mind is kind of conflicted on how I think this game is going to go because, okay. I mean, you know Arizona was zero and five last season. They've you lost know, twelve straight games. Yeah, they. I mean, part of me thinks that hey, they've got a lot of talent. They've got a new system going in here. You know, this is the perfect opportunity for a rebound. And they can actually come out looking a lot better than they have in recent history. The other part of me says, well, it's Arizona, you know, it's the Arizona Wildcats and they're apocalyptically bad. So, you know, I like I really just don't know where to. I mean, I honestly think BYU wins. Sure. But I'm back and forth between whether it'll be a blowout or whether I would take Arizona against the spread. Okay. Well, it's 12 and a half last I saw on the spread. It's actually moved in favor of BYU. I, I'm of the opinion, I think these quarterbacks are it. And I think BYU covers that spread. I think this is a two-touchdown game at minimum. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, in my mind, I think BYU wins. I don't, I, I don't have any question about that. But sure. I, I, I am interested to see if Arizona can make it a game or if they kind of just roll over in the first quarter and that's it and we have another – Long season of terrible, terrible Arizona football. And we're, we're about to find out. I there, There's only one thing about me that is, gives me any concern is that one of these quarterbacks may just be a gamer. There are guys that when the lights come on, sure, suddenly they're superhuman, it seems like. Right. And we'll find out if one of these guys can just kind of answer the bell and see what they can do. Now, talking about Utah State here for just a moment, uh, I saw reports earlier today that Jarrett Garantano, the Tennessee transfer, is expected to start tonight for Washington State. That's a surprise to me because I thought Jaden Delora would be the guy because what Nick Rolovich is running, that run-and-shoot offense, Jaden Delora has been schooled in it from the time he was a kid. He played there in Hawaii under June Jones, who was the mentor of Nick Rolovich in the in the run-and-shoot. But apparently, the grad transfer from Tennessee is going to get the start against the Aggies. Yeah, you know, like I, I like you, thought Delora was the guy. Uh, I mean, watching him last season, it, he, it, it, it looked like there were flashes there of of greatness that he could really grow into. And so to see him get unseated, uh, I think that says a lot about this grad transfer. If Nick Rolovich is willing to unseat his starter and put, put this new guy in, um, it's going to be interesting to watch to see how they do, because I think Washington state has, you know, enough pieces there to really, you know, they're going to win a few games. And I think Utah state, they're, you know, just starting a brand new rebuild. And so I think they're going to have their hands full. I, uh, I'm i hoping to see the Aggies keep it close. Mm-hmm. But I really just, I'm not I'm not so sure that they will. Well, Blake Anderson's got his work cut out for yeah. him. We all, we all know that. And we, we don't know who's going to start under center for Utah State, whether it's going to be Andrew Peasley, the incumbent guy who started most of the last year, or if it's Logan Bonner coming over from Arkansas State. I'm leaning towards Bonner. That's Same. just kind of been my thought the whole time, that you don't follow your coach from Jonesboro, Arkansas to Logan, Utah, without thinking, I'm the guy. Right. But we'll see. Yeah. It, I mean, and this is kind of one of those things that, you know, Coach Anderson has to do, you know, keep his cards close to his vest just to make sure that he can get any advantage possible. You know, I mean, I completely understand why he hasn't named a starter as of yet, because you don't want to give Washington State any kind of edge more than they already have. You know, make them study tape from both of these quarterbacks instead of being able to just focus on one. So it, it makes a lot of sense to me. 
and I am very curious to see where it goes. But like you, I think it will be Lo- Logan Bonner. Yeah, I and I'm with you. I also don't necessarily under, uh, know which way I feel like this game is going to go. I just Utah State has some tools. I think that's very evident. They have some tools there, but there's also issues with Washington State. So if Utah State gets a quick start, there's no reason to think that they can't pull off an upset up there on the Palouse. But man, I don't know. I just it may be too early on to really count on anything from the Aggies. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, weirder things have happened. Yeah. It is college football, and so you never know. There's no doubt about that. So we will uh, continue to break this down as we go along throughout today's show. Later on on the show, we'll get to test some of that audio, as I mentioned. Uh, guys like Mike Luke from Locked on Wildcats and Wildcats 1290 AM down there in Tucson. Uh, we'll get to that. Uh, may I, well, actually, maybe we'll even play uh, Coach Anderson's comments to DJ and PK because he, he was very firm and he was not revealing the quarterback with David and Pat earlier this week. So maybe we'll get to that as well. We'll also come up next, talk a little bit about BYU to the Big 12. It's been all the rumors, all the rage on social media over the past week or so. I'll tell you guys what I know. I learned some things last night. I'm happy to pass along. I kind of held them back because I held them back for today's show. So stay tuned for that. That's all coming up next right here on the Saturday Show. Whether you're stuck at the mall, in the yard, or making a quick trip to the home improvement store, we've got your back. It's gonna be May. This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. And by the way, anybody who did not see this intro last night for Virginia Tech, you absolutely missed out. Seriously, this is one of the great, great traditions in all of college football. And yep. it, it led to our first major upset of the season. Yeah, Virginia absolutely. Virginia Tech over 10th ranked UNC. That's Such dope. a flex to be able to call this like your school. So. Well, when you do what Virginia Tech does, props to them. Man. Yeah. And, you know, which I did see a discussion on Twitter last night that maybe we can, you know, kind of open up a little bit on the show and to the fans that are listening right now. You know, um, I saw somebody ask what walkout song they would like to see Utah use. Okay, but, you know, let's open that up to just teams in the state, you know, whether that's Utah State, BYU, University of Utah. Uh, For me, the one that I had said was I remember back in the 2008 season. University of Utah played Ladies and Gentlemen by Saliva a lot oh, during yes, the game. Yes, I do remember that. That was actually a good one. And, like, if, if you make that the walkout song with that new entrance that they built, that hype room and everything like that, you know, that would be something similar to this. I don't know that you can ever really match Enter Sandman because it's so iconic and it's oh, yeah. been built to that. But, yeah, for those of you listening, you know, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, I'm at 247Lundy. You're at Jacob C. Hatch. Mm-hmm. You got it. Awesome, yeah. At Eric18 Utah for Eric. Okay. I've been to my fair share of watching college football games. Like, by the way, we're watching uh, Penn State, Wisconsin. Jump around in between the third and fourth quarters at Camp Randall is absolutely iconic. Okay, I get why, like, BYU, they play their fight song when the guys run out, but I'm with you. I'd love to see something else. That's just me. So, yeah, if you guys do have a suggestion for – uh, pump up walkout music for the in-state college football programs would love to hear from you yeah a few others that i had thought of that you know are kind of 
in the realm of coolness, you know, didn't quite match the ladies and gentlemen by saliva, but some other ones. Mm -hmm. And this one is probably from recency bias, but Welcome Home by Coheed and Cambria. Sure, that's good. Um, you know, I mean, I saw them this week in concert. So, and how was it? Oh my gosh, it was so good, so good. You are, um, you, are you really are like a concert junkie, aren't you? I uh, yeah, I, I do love my live music, and so yeah, which that one, you know, that was their final song in the encore was Welcome Home. Just a great song to hear live. That would be an awesome walkout song. Um, you know, especially just with that title, you know, welcome. you're welcoming the team to their home stadium. Just that intro, it would, you know. Um, another one that I think could be interesting, I, it, this one's a little bit more, you know, I think it could go either way of being really cool or pretty lame. Okay. <laughs> uh, but Vox Populi by 30 Seconds to Mars. Ooh, interesting. I'm with you. That one could go either way. Mm-hmm. And so you really have to embrace that one if, it, if yeah. you're going to go with it. And so I, w I would, yes. All right. Just imagine go. this one, you know, like you've got like the smoke and everything and the team, like this would be more of a walkout, not a sprint out song. So this is the one, okay. I'm not going to steal this for BYU, but I think because BYU does that smoke in that tunnel before they yeah. come out. This would be really good for BYU in that tunnel. And then, they can, and then they can break into their fight song. If that's what they want to keep, great. But get them lined up in the tunnel with that smoke going with this. Yeah. Probably pretty good. I think it would be pretty fun. That would be really good. Like, you know, who do we need to talk to to make this happen? I have a teams? few contacts we can reach out to. They're just going to tell me to get lost, but, you know, <laughs> we can talk to them. So it's a great idea, actually. I think... Well done, Lundy. I think that's really good. So, yeah, reach out to us at Jacob C. Hatch at 24-7 Lundy at Eric18Utah with your walkout songs. Um, I'm married to a former collegiate softball player, and I'll tell you what, uh, walk-up songs for softball and baseball players, yeah, that's a touchy subject. Yeah. So let us know what you guys think. All right, um, let's talk a little bit about BYU and the Big 12. A lot of news out there, a whole lot of smoke. I can tell you guys this much. It looks like at this juncture – all indications are that BYU will apply for Big 12 membership this coming week. Those are reports coming from The Athletic, ESPN's got them. I've talked with enough people over the past 24 to 48 hours that indicate to me that there is very much traction to all of it. Yeah. So where do you want to dive in, Lundy? Uh, you know, I mean, my initial thoughts of this, you know, this is the kind of thing that I know that some people that are listening are probably going, here we go again. We've heard this story mm -hmm. over and over. You know, it's it's like watching a sitcom where it's just the will they, won't they, you know, are they going to end up together? Are they not? Because there's always it looks like they're about to. And then it's kind of the dramatic tension. And then it's like, oh, no, 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 they're not doing it. I think this time this is happening. I think that there's so much smoke around this that there there has to be fire. And I don't see any way that. I mean, I'm not saying that it's impossible that it won't go through, but given the desperation of the Big 12 to survive and just the urgency, this is going to happen, and it's going to happen quickly. Yeah, I see, Kate, right there, you used the perfect word, desperation. This is all about survival for the Big 12. After the whole deal went down where Oklahoma and Texas announced they're, they're going to the SEC, the SEC invited them, they accepted, that's happening. That's done, signed, delivered, whatever whatever term you want to use there. Then the next uh, domino that needed to fall is we had George Klyovkov, the Pac-12 commissioner, say, hey, we're going to look at expansion. They sat on it for about a week, week and a half, it felt like, and then that Friday it comes out, we're sticking with what we got. At that point, I think it was eight schools in the Big 12 looked at each other and said, all right, 
we got to figure out what we're doing. And things are spinning faster and faster and faster. The Literally minute by minute, it feels like it's just going faster and faster. They are trying to strike out and make sure that they secure their future, at least in the, I'd say, near-term future, four to five years at minimum. Obviously, there is so much that's still out there on the horizon, obviously. I'm, I'm not convinced that the SEC is done or the Big Ten is not going to try and strike at something, but... These eight schools, the Hateful Eight, as, as some people are calling them, which is, by the way, a great <laughs> nickname, the Hateful Eight. I'd be all for that. But uh, they they needed to find something. They needed to secure their future. And going back, going to 10, that's cute. They needed to go back to 12. Yeah. We, we needed to get some sort of you know logic back normalcy in the, in, the, in the naming of the conferences. I mean, I remember after realignment settled and everything, it was like, the Big 12 has 10. Mm-hmm. The Big 10 has 14. Like, do numbers not mean anything anymore to these people? Like, nope, they're not. I mean, the Pac, the Pac 10 at least changed their name and went to the Pac 12. Uh, but I mean, even before expansion, the Big 10 had 11 teams. Yep. So yeah. I mean, there, there what is, are we doing? there is a lot still to be played out with this. But I think BYU, in their circumstance. They are actually in a position, at least this go-around with the Big 12, to ask for things that previously that they probably would have been told, yeah, that's not happening, or they would have just been like, you know what, we're not going to broach that subject. Because they know that the Big 12 is in need right now. And I'm not saying that BYU is going to go out and be belligerent about all of this, because they very much, they want to get into the club. They've been sitting out there in the hinterland, if you want to call it that, as an independent for the better part of it, over a decade at this point, and... Utah has been over here building gleaming new facilities, enjoying the spoils of being a Power 5 conference. They saw their other conference mate that I felt like they felt like they were on the same par with, TCU, get to the Big 12, and they've done some really impressive things there as well. BYU has been trying and trying and trying to get into the club, as it were, and it appears that they are now truly on the doorstep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after, you know, and independence has been good it for has. BYU, yeah. you know, but like, I think that the the best way to probably describe it is that for the past decade, BYU's kind of been in purgatory, right? Where they're kind of in this weird in-between. They're not, like, they're above the G5s, mm-hmm. but they're not quite P5. Yeah. And now they can finally break out of that, and they've got some leverage. They do. They, they do have leverage. Trust me, the conversations I've had with folks who are very much more in the know than I am, BYU does have leverage in this, and they are going to use that leverage. They're going to make sure that Sunday play is not an issue. And mm-hmm. the Big 12 at this point, they got nothing they can push back on that, it feels like. They're just going to be like, okay, great, we'll we'll work around that. Yep. BYU is going all sports. This is not a football-only move. Right. There was there was a non-starter, based on what I was told, that, be, that any thought that this might be football-only, which if it was football-only, let's be real, Boise State's very much in the mix in that regard. Mm-hmm. But this is these are all sports. So UCF, Houston, Cincinnati, BYU, the four teams who are expected to apply for uh, apply for membership this coming week, according to what Max Olson and the Athletic is saying, all of them are all sports. Now your travel budgets are going to go up here because you're going to range from Provo, Utah, to Morgantown, West Virginia, to Orlando, Florida, and the Midwest. You're going from Ames, Iowa, down to Houston, Texas. Travel budgets will need to obviously increase. But you're in the club. These four schools are getting the lifeline, I think, that many of them have dreamed of for a better part of probably a decade at this point. Yeah. And, you know, yes, those travel budgets are going up. But guess what else is going up? 
the 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 TV revenue. What, what you're making, yeah. you know, your cut of the pie gets a lot bigger with mm-hmm. this. So you it the money is going to be there. Sure. You know, I mean, they'll they're suddenly going to have the cash to say, oh, well, we need to get this team out there. All right, here we go. Let's do this. And you know, it might cut into how much they're able to spend on facilities and other things like that. But it's not like they're going to not be able to spend it anymore because even if you take into consideration those travel budgets, BYU will still have more incoming cash flow than what they've had in independence and, you know, associated with the West Coast Conference for those other sports. So I think this is a a great move for BYU, and they can, you know, like really they do have a lot of leverage here where they Mm -hmm. can say, I mean, especially with The Athletic a few weeks ago putting out that report on how BYU's ratings compare to the Big 12 teams that will be remaining. And actually, and the funny thing about that, there are a lot of people who are like, well, that's great. The more important part of that is the Big 12 actually plays in the earlier window than BYU typically is played in. Right. So the, BYU, that 830 window, which is what they would open up for the Big 12, their ratings are comparable in that window, which is traditionally actually weaker than the window the Big 12 typically plays in, and BYU put up comparable numbers. Mm-hmm. We all know that Texas and Oklahoma were not included in that. Right. This is for the eight, the hateful eight, which the hateful eight. I'm sticking with that yeah, name, by the way. that's beautiful. But yeah, so BYU can take those numbers, they can take everything else, and mm-hmm. bring it to the table and just say, okay, the, this is what we want. No Sunday play. And if the Big 12 pushes them back at all on it, BYU can say, who else are you going to get? Yeah, you've got three others. You need one more. Mm-hmm. Who else are you going to get? That's going to bring you this kind of exposure. Who's going to bring a brand that's because I mean, out of those four, there's some good brands there, but none of them are, you know, BYU is far and away the best brand out of those four nationally. Sure. The cachet and, that they have na- nationally, BYU fans are everywhere. Right. You know, and you know, the big, the big 12 the remaining of the hateful eight, they're hurting brand-wise. I mean, there's not really a blue blood left in there as far as football goes. No. I mean, basketball, this is going to be a power conference. I was going like, to say. This is going to be insane because you've got Kansas. Like, they're they're the bluest of the blue bloods. If you're a college hoops fan, you've, you, you're stepping into potentially the best college hoops conference in the country. If you add the likes of Cincinnati, you mm-hmm. add Houston, and BYU is still going to add something to it. UCF, okay, they're okay, but right. the three others, they make – what is already a very good basketball conference, elite. Yeah. So this is just this is a great move. I think BYU is going to get what they ask for. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that they're going to come in and make all sorts of crazy demands. You know, I don't think that they're going to enter in and try to be the new Texas to say everybody in this conference now bows to our will, um, especially because, you know, TCU has been in a conference with BYU before and mm-hmm. – uh, didn't particularly love some of the the things that had to be. They had some battles back and forth, you know? there's no doubt. And so I think that BYU, they will come in and they'll say, okay, here are our terms, mm-hmm. but they're not going to say, here's everything. You know, here's, you know, we expect the kitchen sink and, you know, throw everything our way or else we're not coming. BYU is going to be very gracious, but they're also going to say, look, we need this if we're going to do this and we want to do this. We want to be there. We want to help you. Yeah. But we we will not play on, on Sundays, regardless of the sport. Yeah, and that – this is just me speaking. I've never thought that that was really that big of an issue if, it, if a conference was serious about BYU. It yeah. can be easily worked around. Right. You can I mean, still play showcase games on Sunday with your other schools. Just BYU will not be in that Sunday showcase game. Yeah. You know, and 
lots of other conferences. I mean, the WAC did it for years. The Mountain mm-hmm. West did it for years. The West Coast Conference has been doing it for the past decade. Mm-hmm. It's it's a pretty easy thing to work around. It's just, okay, we're just not going to schedule this, and we'll move our championship window. Yeah, if, if, if need be, because it's, it's similar to what the NCAA has set up. It's the BYU rule, the NCAA. If there's any NCAA championship that happens to fall on Sunday, and BYU, for whatever reason, happens to make it to it, there are things built in that say we will move this to Saturday or Monday, whatever it is, to accommodate BYU. Mm-hmm. And trust me, there are thousands of fans out there who think it's a unfair. I'm like, really, is that unfair? It's just it's just what they're sticking to their guns. Yeah, and it's it's not like it's BYU that's the only team that's ever had anything like this happen for them. Yeah. I mean, look at Notre Dame, mm-hmm. right? Notre Dame gets a lot more kinds of exceptions made for them. I mean, they've been independent, and they still have, at least in the current setup, they have an automatic buy-in to the playoff. Mm-hmm. They don't need a conference championship. If they meet a certain threshold, they're in no matter what, right? You know, so these kinds of concessions are not unique to BYU. There's a number of teams that have these kinds of deals built in, and so you know BYU. It's it's a pretty easy and simple thing for them to say, look, we are a religious institution, and because of that, this is our ask, yeah. and it's a small and simple thing, and conferences in the past have traditionally been willing to work with that and i don't expect the big 12 to be any different yeah no they'll they'll, they'll work around this but it, it's very much looking like it's moving ahead here and that's the, that should be exciting if you're a byu fan finally like you've been dreaming of this day and i get that it took texas and oklahoma getting to the sec and you're joining there's some people out there who are like well you're joining just a glorified g5 well you know what? They still have that autonomous five designation, so they're gonna be power five for at least the next little bit. So you get it. You get to enjoy the trappings of being finally have that moniker, the power five next to your name. That's yeah. something that BYU has chased for years now. Yep. And you know, at the end of the day, you know, let people say what they want. You secured the bag. <laughs> there you go. That's the name of the game right there. There's no doubt about that. All right. So there you go. Uh, some of what's going on with BYU in the Big 12. Anything else we hear, we'd be happy to pass along to you guys. But coming up here in just a moment, we'll get to technical fouls. Uh, rewarding the people who have behaved stupidly, weirdly, whatever it might be. We'll get to all of that coming up next on the Saturday show. If you're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet, that's a technical foul. If you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the thermostat, you'll get hit with a bat. Cause that's a technical foul. You will feel my wrath. That's a technical foul. Personal file, 69, office. He was giving them the business. A technical foul. Today's show, time for technical fouls. All right, look at this go. Eric bringing us in with Thunderstruck. Lundy, it's time for technical fouls where we reward people for being dumb. Oh, there we go. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, this Eric's bringing this in, actually, because somebody had responded to our question, said Thunderstruck by ACDC is a walkout song. Okay. Um, so shout out to Justin at Utes and Rams. So I'm assuming he's talking about the Utes walking out to this. I can see that, yeah. Yeah. We also had uh, Clint Peterson mention, you know, MJ's Bulls with Alan Parsons Project, which is an iconic song. Yeah. So, great calls by both people. Clint, I am. As I say, Clint, I'm not that young. Yeah, I, I am old enough to remember that. 
I am a child of the 90s, Clint, so let's be clear about that. Golden era of basketball. No doubt about that. All right, time for technical fouls here. Lundy, where are we going first? So I wanted to keep it to, you know, mine is something pretty local. Okay. In fact, so local that it's something that occurred within the walls of these studios. Uh-oh. What happened? So, oh, uh, wow. I don't know if either you or Eric got a chance to listen to the movie Zone on Thursday night. I did not. But one Austin Horton said something so egregious, so blasphemous, that I, I, I couldn't just let it go without any kind of... Guys, I like score. <laughs> no, I mean, that, that kind of thing is fine. But their poll question this week, which, you know, if people that listen to this to, to the movie zone know it's on Thursday nights, mm-hmm. uh, Saturday afternoons right after us, Sunday mornings. The poll for this week was, or the question, not the poll, the, the question was, uh, what movie or franchise do you feel is overrated? Okay. And Austin Horton oh, no. had the gall and the oh, gumption no. to say Lord of the Rings. Oh, no. And those of you who know me know how deeply oh, offended no. I am by that. And Austin even acknowledged, he said, you know, that his exact words were, Alex Lundberg is probably going to kill me in the parking lot. Um, no, Austin, you're safe. I'm not going to assault you in the parking lot. I'm just going to give you a technical foul over the air for something so ridiculous and wrong. That's just saying, on the record, folks. Yeah, that's just the Lord of the Rings is a cinematic masterpiece of, of the highest order. There's just they did I mean, a good job, yeah, not open up for debate. And Austin and I, you know, we get along. Austin's a great person. We agree on a lot of things. Like you know, we have similar opinions about the Beatles. Okay. However, when it comes to Lord of the Rings, Sir Austin Horton. You are dead wrong. He's on a list. Technical foul. Yeah. He's on a watch list. I've got my eye on you, Austin. He's on a watch list. Yeah, that one, I've got to disagree with him because they did a really, really good job with those movies. It is. And and anybody that knows me knows that I'm a Lord of the Rings, like, just, I mean, just a Tolkien fanatic in general. Mm-hmm. You know, I've I've read all of the stuff. Do they have, like, a name for fans of Tolkien? Like, do we have, like, a... I don't know if there's, like, a specific Tolkienians name. Tolkienians or something yeah. like that? Tolkaholic. Tolkaholics. <laughs> oh, all right, there you go. I like that. But you know, yeah, like I've I've read the Silmarillion multiple times. You okay. know, gone through a lot of his his works that were published posthumously. I could mm-hmm. go on and on and on about all sorts of stuff. That's you know, probably a major contributor to why I'm still single into my 30s. But th- those movies, as they are, even without all of the extra nerdy backstory, those, I mean, that franchise has won like what 17 Oscars. No, we get it. Austin's on a watch list. Yes. He's on. It's just tickler file. So technical foul, Austin Horton, for for right. saying something so just terribly inaccurate. Yeah. Well, I I would uh, have to say yeah, that's probably a bad play on it. And he he <laughs> at least he acknowledged it at least right. That yeah. he, he's probably gonna get me in the parking lot. But <laughs> all right, uh, my technical foul this week is Bishop Sycamore. Technical foul on everybody involved with this supposed high school football team. The fact that they hoodwinked ESPN does bring a small smile to my face. But Incredible. this whole deal is just, yeah, I I don't know, man. I, I They played a game on Friday, got beat. Then they played in the showcase game against one of the best teams in the country, speaking of IMG Academy, which is, by the way, a school built for sports. Like yeah. Bishop Sycamore allegedly 
wants to do what IMG Academy has done and become the, I guess, Midwest equivalent of what IMG Academy is down there in Florida. But just shady, all kinds. Like, I just, I, I can't, I can't defend any of this at all. It's just, it's weird. Yeah. It's, it's strange. I mean, like, you know, the head coach goes on national TV while he has an active arrest warrant. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, come get me, guys. That's, like, that's, I just don't even, the amount of just cojones to be able to go do that, just to be like, hey, you know, yeah, I know they've got an arrest warrant out for me, but national TV, hello. Yeah. Here I am. I I don't know. I, I just looked at this whole deal, and it does not make any sense to me whatsoever. And, yes, the everybody's passing the buck on this. ESPN said, I think it was Paragon Sports or something. They, yep. they scheduled these games, and they're plus passing the buck saying, well, they told You know what? Just own it. Just own it. It was a bad deal. You put players in harm's way, by the way, having them play two games within the span of 48 hours. It was just a really, really bad deal all the way around, and I hope to never see it again. Yeah. There we go. It was just, you know, yeah. Also, the the, the head coach of Bishop Sycamore mm-hmm. got fired a few days later, yeah. which my question was, by who? Yeah. If this, I, is, this isn't a real high school, I, this isn't, like, who fired him? Yeah. Who was there to do that? I mean, we know that there is an actual team with very real players, but, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of whom are juco dropouts yeah it's just the the whole deal it's just it's dirty to me and it's what's wrong with sports so i hope to never have to visit this topic again but i had to give a technical foul out to bishop sycamore all right that's going to do it for technical fouls we will have more for you guys coming up on the other side Uh, i'm gonna have mike luke uh talk with us and he uh recorded an interview with me earlier this week to talk about byu in arizona some very interesting thoughts from him looking ahead to this game we'll get to that in just a few moments you're listening to the saturday show right here on the Zone Sports Network.